is Bloomberg Surveillance. European politics are very fractured, very febrile at the moment, and the UK vote to leave is going to make all of those problems much, much worse. When the Fed raises rates, it has a huge impact on the rest of the world. It's actually very negative for emerging markets. When the dollar goes up, the rest of the world's indebtedness effectively goes up. That means it's that much harder to pay back their debt. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene. Coming up, a conversation we look for pioneers to go west, east, north, south. Pioneers doing what they do, which is raise money. We'll get to that in a moment. Right now, the Forex Brief. Uh, very important, the Forex Brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR. Dot com slash forex. Let me get through this quickly because David Wilson's more interesting this morning. Yen 108.75, Euro 113, back over stronger. 114.06 on Euro, a churn to the big currency uh, markets. Brazilian real with the festivities in Brazil continues to strengthen. 355. Over the last number of days, strengthening to 3.45, Ms. Rousseff, uh, packing her bags. At least that's one of the reports here. We'll see as we go through the Brazilian uh, day. <clears throat> right now, all I know is if I want to merge, I guess I better check with Washington first. And, and, a, and a merger thrown out in the United Kingdom as well today. It's it's transatlantic. It's been that kind of a day. I mean, uh, Staples and Office Depot definitely front and center after their proposed six point three billion dollars. And they didn't go down; they got hammered, right? Well, they did. A federal judge blocked the combination on antitrust grounds, and then the two largest office supply retailers decided they would not go ahead with their deal. U.S. regulators had also objected to the merger. Staples down fifteen percent in early trading, and Office Depot down thirty five and a half. They are the two most active stocks in U.S. trading. Disney shares down 5%. Quarterly earnings trailed analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey for the first time in five years. The fiscal second quarter results revive concern that the prospects for broadcast and cable television companies are worsening. Disney also closed its video game unit, Infinity. And then you have Macy's down 8.5%. The department store chain cut its earnings forecast for this year by about 15% and reported fiscal first quarter revenue that missed analyst estimates. Slower mall traffic and a drop in tourist spending hurt sales. And shares of other department store owners are falling with Macy's, which kicked off the industry's first quarter earnings season. Uh, you've got Cole set to report tomorrow. That stock down 3.5%. Nordstrom also coming tomorrow. Their shares down 2%. And J.C. Penney's results are due on Friday, and Penny shares down 3.5%. Gold stocks are higher along with the precious metals price, which rose after Goldman Sachs lifted bullion price forecast. Now, Goldman also raised ratings on a couple of mining stocks, one of them Newmont Mining, up 2% in early trading, and the other Kinross Gold, up 4%. Williams Companies, up 6%. The natural gas pipeline owner was named as a top pick at Sanford Bernstein, which began coverage of the industry. Electronic Arts, up 8.5%. Video game maker's fiscal fourth quarter earnings and sales beat estimates. EA's business is holding up as consumers shift to digital services from prepackaged games. Fossil Group, though, down 34%. The watchmaker mm. and retailer posted fiscal first quarter earnings and sales. Retail's ugly. I mean, there's no other way to put it. 
Well, it's not getting off to a good start in, in earnings season, that's for sure. Fossil also forecasts bigger declines in second quarter profit and revenue than analysts expected and cut full year forecast. One more. And I'll One just more. mention uh, Con Ed. Uh, stock just down a quarter of a percent. The New York utility sold $625 million of stock. That's equivalent to a 2.9% stake. The proceeds will help finance Con Ed's $975 million investment in a gas pipeline and storage joint venture. Thank you so much, David Wilson. Michael McKee, the amount of money to raise, it's, it's jaw-dropping, Senate and House total, just in Ohio, $34 million is one number from the last election, just for Senate races. It's going to be big money. It's going to be a very interesting down ballot race this year, and it is this week perhaps the most awaited summit meeting since Ronald Reagan went to. Yeah, Reykjavik. I'll go with that. Yeah, it is yeah. Donald Trump going to meet with Paul Ryan. Uh, Reagan said, "Tear down this wall." Donald Trump says, "Build up this wall." Paul Ryan says, "Not on my watch." Uh, Vin Weber is a former member of Congress and now at Mercury Public Affairs in Washington, and you are a friend of the Speaker. What, I am indeed. Good what to be is, with you this morning. What is he going to say to Mr. Trump, and what can Mr. Trump say to him that would possibly win his endorsement? Well, first of all, they don't know each other, and they, they've only met, I think, once or spoken more than maybe a couple times, so he's going to try to get to know him a little bit better. I think that he will talk to him about the overall tone of the campaign, try to encourage him to put the whole tone of the campaign on a higher level, uh, as befits the nominee of the uh, party of Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan. Um, and then we'll see how far they get into some of the issues. I mean, Trump has basically said he's not going to move on some of these issues, and he's rejected Paul Ryan's policy agenda. He didn't have to even say that. He decided he was going to say that. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how far they get into it. But I, I, I doubt that it's going to be a very detailed policy-oriented discussion. I think maybe they'll touch on that, but it's going to be more about the tone of the campaign and sort of the uh, the, 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 the image that the party's going to project going forward. So in a way, this is this is a, a show meeting rather than one that would accomplish something. Would well, they would, don't know each other. It's a get acquainted meeting. Would the speaker <laughs> would the speaker be willing to hold out, hold off, not endorse the Republican presidential candidate through the entire year? That, I, I very much doubt that. That's that's really this is a conviction call at the end of the day on Paul Ryan's part, uh, and he's got a couple of conflicting things going on in his head. Uh, one, he, he is a conviction politician. There's not a cynical bone in his body, and he cares about issues like trade and immigration and mm-hmm. uh, all the things that we could talk about. But he also is a Republican Party leader, and he's going to be meeting with Trump with other Republican Party leaders, and he has a certain obligation, I believe. To, to at least think about his role as a party leader. So I, I yeah. think ultimately he will get he will endorse the, the, the Trump ticket or Trump himself. But I don't know if that's going to happen on Thursday or Friday, and I think that he's going to have to get a little more comfortable. Then, you know, Mid- Midwest politics like nobody. Part of this is he's got to get reelected, right? Come on. Yeah. I mean, well, come on. He, that's, that's the Paul Ryan's not going to have any trouble getting reelected. Are we sure that the primary? Where, where are you on the primary? 
Paul, Paul has a primary from the right. It doesn't look today as if it's a real threat to him. Okay. But, you know, we all have to pay attention to what happened with Eric Cantor, the former majority leader down in his district in Richmond when he was taken out in a primary. That It doesn't look like that's the case out in Janesville, Wisconsin right now. But, uh, you know, in this environment, you can't take anything for granted. But I want to reiterate, Paul Ryan is not making a political calculation here primarily. He's thinking about, as he said in his statement, he said, we are the party of Lincoln and Reagan and Jack Kemp, his mentor and my friend. And uh, he's thinking about what the party stands for and what his obligations are to the people that look to him for leadership. Well, Donald Trump has uh, made comments that are racist, misogynist, and religiously intolerant. How can you wrap that into the party of Reagan and Lincoln? Well, I don't think it's very easy. <laughs> Since you asked the question pretty directly, I think it's I think it's very tough. Um, I, I think that we're down to whether we want to frame it this way or not, we're going to be down to the lesser of two evils. And what do you think is better to 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 accept Donald Trump with all of those flaws as the as the the alternative to Hillary Clinton, or as many conservatives are deciding, let. Yeah. Clinton win and wait till for four years and have somebody that like more reflects our values. I mean, I, it, this is a real debate going on among Republican leaders now, and, and and particularly among conservative movement leaders, not necessarily party leaders. How do they write checks? I want to come back and dive into this further, uh, uh, Congressman Weber, but the basic idea to me is the pioneers of George Bush, boy, that system worked. Don Evans, and were you a pioneer? No. You were not a pioneer, but you are the receiving end, maybe, of pioneer benefit. you got to go out to a bunch of guys and, in a team effort, write a collective set of checks. Do you have any vision that Mr. Trump can do that? Uh, n- not yet. There, there, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, we have indications a little bit on both sides. My friend Stan Hubbard uh, from Minnesota, major fundraiser, television mogul, if you will, and a, and a great guy, by the way, ha- has decided he's going to back Trump after having bank- backed anti-Trump efforts throughout the primaries. He's got on board with Trump. On the other hand, I'm, I hear from uh, a number of people that Paul Singer, one of the major fundraisers in New York, is not for Trump and might be looking at a third-party effort. I don't know where most of them are going to go. Uh, and, and added to that is the fact that throughout the entire campaign, Donald Trump said that the, the people that, that, that give money, are that it's a corrupt process. He, he campaigned against all 16 of his rivals by saying that they were financing their, their campaigns with corrupt mm-hmm. money. Well, now apparently what he's saying is, all right, th- this money is corrupt if you were to give it to me directly, but it's not corrupt okay. if you give it to the Republican Party. Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to come back and talk about this. We're thrilled to bring you Vin Weber on this most historic political moment. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Florida Senator Marco Rubio says he will live up to a pledge to his party to support the presidential nominee, but the former Republican presidential candidate says he still has the same deep reservations about Donald Trump's ideas and conduct. Rubio says Trump would be better served by having help in the campaign from people who agree with his policies and are enthusiastic about his candidacy. A vote is scheduled for this evening by the Brazilian Senate on whether to oust President Dilma Rousseff and start an impeachment trial. 
Rousseff is accused of having illegally tapped state banks and taken loans to cover up budget deficits. The death toll from a car bombing in Baghdad in the neighborhood in Sadr City has spiked to at least 63. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Michael, thanks so much. Coming up, Michael McKee and Tom Keen with Vin Weber on Athens, Ohio. Clinton, Trump, the Rust Belt, the Midwest, Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Drivers, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts at low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. Futures lower. S&P E-mini futures down three and a half points. Dow E-mini futures down 45. NASDAQ E-mini futures down four. Ten-year Treasury up one thirty-second. The yield 1.75%. NYMEX crude oil down half percent or 21 cents to 44.46 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.1% or $13.40 at 12.78.20 announced. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Masco, thank you very much. We're talking with Vin Weber from Mercury Public Affairs, former congressman from the great state of Minnesota. I, I note that uh, you are friends with the Hubbards. I used to work for the Hubbards, so uh, I know Stanley Hubbard well. Um, here's a question that Tom is posing, uh, raising money. How do how do you do that when, uh, in Trump's case, you have no formal fundraising uh, operation set up and <clears throat> deliberately you've been running a campaign that uh, does not do a lot of outreach? Uh, he doesn't have the big mailing lists and things like that. Uh, there have been stories that, uh, you know, you've got to raise a billion dollars. Even if you have really good fundraisers, you can't do it in the three, four months he has. I, I don't I don't know how he does it. I mean, he he waged a whole campaign as we were talking about a few minutes ago, railing against contributions and bragging about the fact that he was a self funder. Now we've pivoted and turned 180 degrees, and he's going to he's going to fund his campaign with outside contributions. I think in his case, it probably ends up being very very large contributions. There was a rumor that Carl Icahn was going to put in a hundred million dollars. I can't quite believe that, but a lot of money. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of complications on this too. A lot of the big Republican donors are are going to look at this and say, I'm going to put my money into saving the Congress. Uh, a, because I'm not sure that Trump can win, and B, because Trump made it so clear he doesn't want our money anyway. So I think, you know, it's going to be a, a more complicated effort for Trump to actually get money in to be spent on his behalf than for any candidate in our history. I'm just speechless, Mike. No, that was uh, <laughs> why you, that was me. I, I was I, there's like eight ways to go with Vin Weber here on that phrase. Any time in history. I mean, you've been doing this for a while, Mr. Weber. I mean, there's no comparison. This is not Goldwater Miller, 1964. We're not going to make a joke and go back to 1802, but the bottom line is we've never seen this in our lifetimes. 
No, his candidacy is is unique. I mean, you know, Goldwater was 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 an earthquake in the Republican Party, but it was a very definable earthquake. You shifted control of the Republican Party from a moderate to liberal northeastern midwestern axis yeah. to a very conservative south and southwest axis. We knew exactly what was happening to the party after the <clears> debacle <throat> of 1964. The party recalibrated somewhat closer to the middle, uh, and we did very well in the in the 66 off-year elections and elected Nixon president in 68. Trump is not like that. We, we, there's not a clear ideological or geographical shift that's taking place in the, in the party. It's a, it's a populist movement, and it's an well, anti-established movement, but we don't know how to define it. We've got a minute here. What is your prescription for Mr. Trump if he's within reaching distance in the Rust Belt? What's the Vin Weber to-do list for Mr. Trump to narrow that gap? He's, if, if in the Rust Belt, he can, he's got to maintain his posture of an outsider. If, if, if I were Trump, I would basically be saying to Paul Ryan and to other Republicans, look, I want to be the leader of the Republican Party. I want the Republican Party united behind me, but I know I'm a different kind of candidate, and I don't expect people to buy me 100%. If you, as Ronald Reagan used to say, if you're 80% with me, that does not make you my 20% enemy. I, Donald Trump, am not asking you to buy everything that I'm selling. I'm asking you to support me as being better than the alternative. Well said. Vin Weber, thank you so much. Terrific perspective, of course. Uh, Vin Weber, always from Minnesota and a former congressman. I should point out, trustee of the German Marshall Fund, which is pretty cool as well. Michael? Yeah. Well, we got about uh, six months till the general election. Business interests already preparing for a transition to the 45th president, whomever he or she might be. Uh, what might a Donald Trump presidency mean for the world of finance? Our Nathan Hager from Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington is trying to figure that out. If there's one thing you can predict about a Donald Trump White House, it's that it'll be anything but predictable. I like to be unpredictable. It's a line Trump's repeated on the campaign trail about how he'd change America's foreign policy. But when it comes to economic policy... Uncertainty is toxic for financial markets. Mark Hamrick is the senior economic analyst at Bankrate.com. This can represent itself in a number of different ways where uh, one day the proposal is one thing and the next day the proposal seems to be something much different. And we've seen that kind of uncertainty in just the last couple of days, with Trump suggesting he'd be willing to negotiate on the national debt, telling CNN this week the U.S. could never default because we print the money. If we can buy back government debt at a discount, in other words, if interest rates go up and we can buy bonds back at a discount, if we are liquid enough as a country, we should do that. But Hamrick notes U.S. Treasuries are considered the safest debt in the world. If Donald Trump, as president, were to do something to impugn that integrity, then the integrity of the U.S. financial system has put at incredible risk. And how about Trump's plan to put hefty tariffs on imports from places like China and Mexico? Hamrick says not only could that spark a trade war, but it also means incredibly uh, more expensive uh, prices for consumers. And then there's Trump's signature issue, immigration, and his promise to deport the estimated 11 million undocumented people in this country. Bloomberg BNA reporter Laura Francis says a recent report by the American Action Forum shows that would leave a significant hole in the labor force. If every undocumented immigrant who is working in the economy now were replaced by unemployed uh, U.S.-born and lawful foreign-born residents, 
there would still be an overall shortfall of 4 million workers. And an analysis from the Tax Policy Center says Trump's tax plan could add up to $12 trillion to the already 19-plus trillion national debt. Trump's even injected uncertainty there, telling ABC's This Week, instead of across-the-board tax cuts for everyone... In my opinion, the taxes for the rich will go up somewhat. Overall, bank rates' Mark Hamrick says this level of uncertainty is something the markets and the voters could find tough to stomach. And indeed, I think that is why people are cautious about both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, uh, why they have such high disapproval ratings is because there's a perception that their words are not uh, to be trusted. Nathan Hager, Bloomberg Radio in Washington. And Nathan, thank you so much. From New York, worldwide, Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting you down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.